lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for joining us here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre are here with me. If you'd like to join us today, 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can find samples of this show that you can uh, watch and share at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. And don't forget, there's never been a better time than right now to subscribe to Blaze TV and never been a more important time either because we need all the platforms like this willing to ask the kinds of questions a real media used to ask but no longer does. And we've made it cheaper for you than ever before as well. You can get $30 off your annual subscription to Blaze TV right now at blazetv.com slash dace, promo code Steve. That's blazetv.com slash dace, promo code Steve. For example, if you were a Blaze TV subscriber today, you'd get our overtime. That's the bonus mini episode that we do exclusively for our subscribers. And today we're going to be previewing what we want to see and or hear from the task force that President Trump will announce today. Essentially, it's the coronavirus uh, back-to-work task force. We're going to preview that today in our overtime. If you're already a subscriber to Blaze TV, nothing to worry about. You'll get that later today. If not, though, go to blazetv.com slash dace, promo code Steve, to get a discounted subscription. It's only like $5 and change a month. I've got to believe we're worth at least that. If we're not, then somebody here at The Blaze is. All right. We got a jam-packed show today. We've got uh, two guests today. Our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us a day early coming up uh, in the final segment of the show. We are going to combine Pop Culture Tuesday with Fake News or Not. Because there is a documentary out there on YouTube right now that has gone majorly viral. Last I checked, it was approaching 4 million views, and it's been out for only about four days. And it's the kind of documentary that I will confess to you, even a year or two ago, I'd have just been like, eh. But just to show how much I've been radicalized here in the, la- in, in the recent time, something I would not have watched a year or two ago, um, I, I watched it twice over the weekend, Okay. So we are going to discuss this documentary and you'll see why it's a combination of Pop Culture Tuesday and Fake News or Not in the same segment. We've never done that before. That'll be the first time. Todd and Aaron have also watched this documentary. <clears throat> we will uh, we'll compare notes. I have no idea what they think about it. They have a little idea of what I think, but not all that much because we wanted to have this conversation in real time. And we will do that in the next hour of the show. Also here at the bottom of the hour, an update on it's not even the the creeping tyranny anymore. It is the rising tide of it uh, in America. We'll get into that here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, first things first, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were locked down. What happened while we were locked down brought to you by the opening salvo. President Trump held yet another White House coronavirus task force briefing yesterday where he first sent up Dr. Anthony Fauci to the podium to clarify an interview he gave on Sunday. 
said there was pushback. Yeah. Where did that pushback come no, from? No, it wasn't. And that was the wrong choice of words. You know what it was? When people discuss, not necessarily in front of the president, when people discuss, they say, well, you know, this is going to have maybe a harmful effect on this or on that. So it was a poor choice of words. There wasn't anybody saying, no, you shouldn't do that. Are you doing this voluntarily? or did No, the I'm doing it. I, everything I do is voluntarily, please. Don't even imply that. After that, President Trump laid down ordinance in what appears to be the first salvo against the media and the battle to open up the country. People should be more concerned right now with the flu in this country. A lot of people are concerned about the coronavirus because they're hearing a lot of news about it right now. But the reality is comparing it to the flu, for example, it's not even close to being at that stage. What if it is worse? Is this a moment where maybe countries put politics aside, a little bit of pride aside? And do we have U.S. officials? Should U.S professionals such as yourself get involved. How worried should Americans be about coronavirus? Coronavirus is not going to cause a major issue in the United States. What we're watching is a montage the White House put together to show the media, well, themselves, and a timeline of the country's response to the virus. That montage was followed by about 20 minutes of Trump sparring with the apoplectic White House press corps. The Washington Post tweets, Prominent Virginia pastor who said, God is larger than the dreaded virus, dies of COVID-19. So yes, the media is going to combine Kavanaugh, impeachment, and Russian collusion all in one to keep the country closed down. What's not closed down are criminals. The Los Angeles County Sheriff is the latest leader to announce he's releasing criminals serving jail sentences. He said yesterday he's releasing 4,276 inmates into society to stop the spread of the coronavirus in jail. Meanwhile, in New York, what we're watching is an ex-con named Daniel Vargas, who was released from Rikers Island in late March due to coronavirus fears. We see him robbing and breaking the hand of an elderly man on the street. So that's cool. Also, remember last week when Dr. Deborah Burks of the White House Coronavirus Task Force said we were to count people dying with COVID-19 as dying from it? And then we were told that she didn't actually say what she said in public on national television? Well, Dr. Scott Jensen is a physician and a member of the Minnesota State Senate. He talked with Laura Ingram recently about the fishy CDC guidelines for accounting deaths. Let's just take influenza. If I have a patient died uh, a month ago, had fever, a cough, and a died after three days, and maybe had been an elderly, fragile individual, and there happened to be an influenza epidemic around our community, I wouldn't put influenza on the death certificate, and I've never been encouraged to do so. I would put probably uh, respiratory arrest would be the top line, and the underlying cause of disease would be pneumonia. But I would never put influenza down as, as the underlying cause of death, and yet that's what we're being asked to do here. Just take someone getting hit by a bus, and they, they collapse along, and they go into the emergency room, and they're there for 15, 20 minutes. Blood work comes back. COVID test comes back positive, and they die 20 minutes later because of their collapsed lung. We're going to put that down as COVID-19? That doesn't make any sense. As far as getting the country actually open again, Fox News reported yesterday the White House task force, whose responsibility it is to develop that plan, consists of White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner, Steve Mnuchin, Larry Kudlow, Robert Lighthizer, and Wilbur Ross. Moving on, Bernie Sanders sold out once again and endorsed Joe Biden. Well, uh, Bernie, I want to thank you uh, um, uh, for that. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I think that uh, your endorsement means a great deal. It means a great deal to me. I think people are going to be surprised that we are apart on some issues, but we're awfully close on a whole bunch of others. And, uh, 
And I think you've made, um, if, if I am the nominee, which it looks like now you just made me, um, I, uh, I'm going to need you, not just to win the campaign, but to govern. And finally, this from comedian Ryan Long. My name is Mark Diamond, and I am now a social distance tattletale. Officer, there's a group of three right over there. With the coronavirus taking over and everyone unemployed, it's much harder to ruin people's lives for an offensive joke or an incorrect political belief. I found another store that's still open right now, and that's when I realized that tattling on people for not distancing can provide me my fix of lynch momming strangers on the internet. It's a new world out there, and we need a new list of commandments to enforce on other people. I'm just looking for anyone who's posted Facebook photos of them at a park or a beach. Right now, I'm working on having him expelled from his school. People should be staying in their house and sharing their almost identical hot takes on Tiger King. I mean, yeah, it's not that hard. The government should close every business, weld every door shut, then give every citizen $20,000 a month. So, I mean, I'd like to see the government give us a bedtime. Joe's Bakery on 2nd Street is still up and running. Bit of a military presence gathering out of my house, so that's nice to see. I see myself as essentially the digital arm of the United States military. And that's what happened while we were away. Absolutely perfection right there. Inject into my veins. Yes, that's absolute perfection. Kyle and Josh were both losing their hair in no shock since the dreaded male pattern baldness gene ran in both of their families. But that's where the similarities end because they chose to pursue a solution or not to in vastly different ways, Kyle kept putting off getting hair loss treatment, losing more hair by the day, while Josh went all in with Keeps to learn how to keep his hair. And Keeps offered him the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products, so he got the real deal, but at generic pricing, so that Josh saved a fortune as well. All he needed to do was go through a quick online consultation, answer a few questions, snap pics of his hair, and then a doctor evaluated everything and recommended the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for Josh and then it was shipped discreetly to his door and keeps therefore let Josh save his hair without ever leaving his couch they can do the exact same thing for you right now and to get you started how about half off of your first order half off your first order when you go to keeps.com slash grow that's keeps.com slash grow to get half off your first order all right let's quickly go through kind of a lightning round some of the things aaron highlighted in his montage because uh, there's a there's a fascinating article out today from the from mit and uh, their magazine called uh, technologic technology review and i want to it's about uh, a serology analysis that's an antibody analysis of covid19 in germany i want to get to that here in a moment but but a couple of things number one um with Trump, you just have to decide when you do your analysis, you, 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 you have to be able to set the style he communicates aside if you don't like it. If, it. if it doesn't match your personality, if it grates on you, because even though you're probably not alone in that opinion, that doesn't necessarily determine the impact of what he is saying either. It can, right? It can. Yeah. Like he can turn people off unnecessarily. He can do that, right? Yes. But the idea that therefore, because he grates on you, that everything he says equally grates on everybody else, no matter how he says it or even what he says, you can't you can't become that level of, of a one-dimensional analyst. And that's why I often will not pay attention to what he is saying while he is saying it, but instead will watch the reaction to how other people are receiving it, okay? And from what I saw yesterday, you set aside whatever you think about the way that he went about it. It was tactically brilliant yesterday, in my view, what occurred. Number one, to to preemptively strike the media on their credibility. 
rather than you whether than rather than letting them pounce on you uh, when you go to reopen the country and say you can't do this, you're going to kill all these people. We got to stay closed forever, or at least long enough for us to blame you for the Great Depression that we helped you cause, right? Right. But to preemptively strike their credibility and slap them around on that, and to do it in a way they ne- to blindside them with it. They never saw it coming. I thought it was tactically brilliant. All right, that's that's you know and and. In, in any war, you use air cover to soften the enemy up. Now, it doesn't win. It doesn't win the conflict by itself, but it certainly makes victory a more achievable goal. And that that's what happened yesterday. All right, that that was dropping bombs on Tokyo. All right, I mean, I, I mean that that softened the enemy. I, I thought that was a that that was tactical brilliance. And then I think what you saw yesterday from Anthony Fauci. And I agree with Aaron. We will for now. Um, resume referring to him as Dr. Fauci. He has earned that title of deference after what happened yesterday. What happened yesterday is Donald Trump called Anthony Fauci's bluff. And he essentially said, hey, do you want to be my William McClellan? Okay. Uh, I'll, go to, I'll go to all the same links Lincoln went to to win. I have the power to suspend habeas corpus. I'll do everything Lincoln had to do to win too. I'm just a lot more shameless than he was. So it won't, it won't just be correspondence between General McClelland and I where we express our dissatisfaction with one another. I will troll you mercilessly. And if you want to put up with it, cool. Then you want to dance? We can dance. But understand this will be, this will be, it won't be a waltz. It'll be more like a twerk. As long <laughs> as you're into that, okay? We can do this, Okay. As long as you are willing to, I will become to, you guys, you know, you guys always tell me problematic politicians, Steve, they're like King David. Well, to quote King David, I will become even more undignified than this. So the price of admission for you stepping to me is I'm going to troll the living hell out of you all the way to your new gig at CNN, Mr. Fauci. And if you are willing to pay that freight, more power, more power to you, but that will be the cost of, of taking your newfound celebrity and believing that it comes with some level of unassailable power that's only been granted to me. And I think you saw Anthony Fauci yesterday say that um, uh, he's not willing to pay that tax. That's, that's an admission charge. Uh, that is a cover charge, Todd. He is not willing to pay. And I think you saw him go out there and it's, it's ironic that it happened the same day Bernie Sanders is out there endorsing Joe Biden. That's essentially what Anthony Fauci did yesterday. He let his, he let his base know this isn't a revolution after all. Yeah. Even a guy like Donald Trump ultimately got hypnotized by this. We talked about, he's a New Yorker. If he was a Texan, I think he'd be relating to this thing differently. He's watching his city up in flames. Dr. Fauci it seems like a nice enough guy. I'm sure they do get along, but he finally got to that point after Jake Tapper's interview yep. uh, this week. The weekend, point of diminishing returns. Where, where yeah. you saw it was like Bill Murray uh, in Groundhog Day driving down the road with the groundhog in his lap. I'm not playing by their rules anymore. And he just returned to the Donald Trump we all know is in there and it was a two front war like that hey I, well, what, then why did you tweet out oh i know the, why'd you retweet the fire Fauci? because i'm donald trump because i'm donald trump <laughs> i like retweeting things 
So are you firing Fauci? I'm not firing him now. No, I'm not firing him now. And that Jonathan Carl in the front row after that all happens. After all of the shameless shilling they do for their causes, their look on his face, he had, and he actually said, why did you do that? Because... <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, the only thing I want to say, because we got, well, I'm sure we need to get onto this. Uh, it's not going to be a waltz. It's going to be more like a twerk. By far the best simile that has ever been dropped on this show. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. Try the veal. Uh, the, the doctor who's the Minnesota state senator pointing out the absurdity. Uh, he essentially is, is just pointing out what uh, Daniel Horowitz got flagged on Facebook for fake news, for accurately quoting Dr. Burks, what she was actually saying. Okay. Um, and I, and I, I just, I wanted us to put that clip in the montage, even though it's a few days old. We, we, we've been overwhelmed with so much stuff to cover. We missed it the first time. I wanted Aaron to reset it though, because I think it need, we cannot be reminded enough when we see these models not to come, come to fruition. That they that they still are falling way short, even with the massive oversampling of data that we have admitted we are doing as a country, and they are still falling short. And I don't think we can point that out to you in the audience enough. And I don't think you can share that with people you know enough. And I want to get that. That's a good segue to where I want to go next. There's a story out today at TechnologyReview.com that's produced by MIT, the MIT. And I, I spent some time studying and reading through this story this morning, and I, I was fascinated, and I read through it a couple of times, because I was, I was fascinated by how MIT views this story as a negative. And if you read all of the opinionating that they give in the story, uh, they quote an expert at Yale uh, reporting on this as well, um, all of their opinionating on their data is pessimistic. And yet, when I read through the data, I, I actually had an, the exact opposite opinion, which is why I read through it a couple of times. And, and yes, a guy who uh, barely made it out of community college, I'm going to take issue with MIT. Not because um, they, I know how to do data better than they do, but the way that they are reading their data. Because it goes back to what we said when we first started asking skeptical questions on this show. Where does the expertise end and the worldview bias begin? Right. Where does the expertise end and where does the worldview bias begin? So if you look at this story from MIT, this analysis, it's an analysis of a community in Germany that had done statistical uh, random sampling of antibodies. I believe it's called a serology test. And, and because if you produce antibodies, that indicates that you've already been exposed to whatever was going around and you have built up. An immunity to it. And then the more people we have that build up that immunity within that community um, help to pass on that immunity to the rest of the herd. And this is what's called herd immunity, right? Yes. Well, it's what we used to call herd immunity. I, it's I'm not original. exactly sure what it is now. Herd immunity now is like stare decisis. I know what stare decisis is supposed to mean, but what it really means is whatever a judge conjures up from the deep blackest pitch of his of his mental bowels is now the is now the new law and cannot possibly be disobeyed or challenged, no matter how wicked of a dispatch directly from the pit of hell it happens to be. That's what stare decisis means now. That is not what it was supposed to mean, but it is effectively what it means now. 
I'm not sure right now what herd immunity means, but what I just told you is what it is supposed to mean. And it's the way that we have fought plagues as a species for thousands of years, plagues far worse than the one we're currently fighting. All right. And so this this uh, random uh, sample, random sample antibody study of this community in Germany, which was one of the ground zeros of what they think, what they think anyway, was one of the ground zeros of the outbreak in Germany, came back. And what it found is that 14 percent of the people in the community um, already were were positive for antibodies, 14 percent. And they viewed this at MIT as a huge negative, except if you do the math here. Um, it way exceeds the current infection and death rate among Germany's 83 million people. Because right now, Germany is saying 3,215 total people have died because of SARS-2 coronavirus. If 14% of the country has already had it and been exposed in random antibody sampling, if we extrapolate, prorated this to the rest of the country, okay? If 14% of the country showed up with antibodies, folks, that'd be 11.6 million people. Now, let's say Germany goes back and finds the virus was there much longer, as I theorize. Let's say they go back and start counting acute respiratory viruses, pneumonias, mysterious flu pneumonias that they really couldn't identify what they were in January and February. And let's say they go back and find that the number of dead actually increases by 20 times. Now, now I'm using extreme mathematical numbers for you here on purpose. Okay. All right. Let's say they multiply the number of deaths. They retcon this by 20. And then let's say just for the sake of argument, now they wouldn't do this, at least not out in the open, but let's say for the sake of argument that while they reverse engineer the amount of mortality from this virus arriving earlier than they thought, they never, they they never change the rate of infection. Okay, which you would have to do, right? I mean, you can't re- you can't reverse engineer one number and then leave the other one static. You can't do that, right? You can't. Right. You got to change the numerator and the denominator. That's exactly right. But let's just say, because I'm trying to give you the most negative mathematical um, uh, formula to my theory, I can. I'm trying to be as unfair to my own theory as I possibly can be to test it. This this is what we used to call science, by the way, the testing of your models. All right. So I'm, I'm going to give you the most unfavorable math I possibly can to test my own hypothesis. So let's say that while they increased the death rate, they didn't increase the infection rate, made it ex- made the data exceedingly one sided. Here's what you would get. Sixty four thousand three hundred deaths out of eleven point six million people for a maximum case fatality rate. When you see those those initial CFR, that's what it means. That would mean a maximum, the most one sided data they could come up with. The maximum case fortality rate, even if the antibody percentage across the country is only 14%, the maximum case fatality rate would be 0.6%, 0.6%, 0.07% of the total population, by the way. To put that in perspective, Germany's current case fatality rate is 2.5%. That is a massive, massive decline. It is a the amount of lives between two and a half percent CFR and 0.6 percent CFR is fairly substantial. That's a massive decline. For further, even more perspective on that, if you if it, if it infected and 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 killed 0.07 percent of the population, that would mean twice as many Germans die from suicide every year because the number is 1.4. 
So we'd go from 0.07 to or 0.07 to 1.4. Actually, no, I, I did that math wrong because point that would be 0.7 to 1.4 would be twice as many. 0.07 would be a lot more than that, actually. Okay. Now, here's why I think MIT has a different opinion than I do. It comes down to this question: Where where is the baseline for your exposure to the virus? Meaning, when do you think the infection began? And what what's fascinating is that. Well, first of all, if my theory is right, that the virus has been here longer than we think, then this absolutely becomes promising data. Absolutely it does. However, MIT even says in its article that the main exposure to this German town was because of a carnival that took place in February that brought in visitors from Wuhan, China. It says that in the article, by the way. Um, I looked up this community and this carnival. Pardon me. This carnival occurred on February 15th. That is more than a month. That's more than a month before Germany initiated a national lockdown on March 22nd. More than a month. Now, we're still waiting for Stanford's antibody study. Should be at any day, at any point now. They did this on April the 6th. We should be getting results any, any day now. Hopefully, we'll get more answers there. But here, to me, the MIT story has two conclusions. One is, my theory is correct, that this has been here a lot longer than we thought all along. It has therefore killed more people, just stretched out over more time. Um, It is hospitalized more people, just stretched out more over time. And therefore, if that's true, then there was no point in shutting your country down because you weren't going to stop it anyway. It's already been here. The other conclusion is that at the very least, we need to begin building herd immunity as soon as possible. And the longer we put it off, the more painful that process could be. Meaning the longer that we stay isolated, let's say my theory is wrong. If my theory is wrong, and it could be, it could absolutely be. If my theory is wrong and we don't have any volume of herd immunity built up because it hasn't been here for that long. And it really was a mass contagion event that spilled out across the West from happy, very sporadically from late January to mid-February, producing the month of March and April that we're seeing now. Let's say that that's true. Then what it also, that also therefore means, just like my theory has an and also, if my theory is true, that means the lockdowns were never going to save us and explains why nations that didn't do lockdowns are seeing largely the same data that the nations that that have done them because it was here all along it was already baked into the cake we couldn't get rid of it and so there was no point to shutting the country down if my theory is not true and looking at what this data from germany tells us would it would it would it the and also there means we need to begin opening back up anyway to start producing herd immunity as fast as we possibly can and we're behind the curve on that and 14 percent herd immunity from from a, a, from a contagion um, that spread this fast and got here this recently ain't going to cut it, all right? You've got to open things back up and just accept there's going to be some loss as a result because we have to build herd immunity because the process, every day that we wait, it gets more painful on the back end what it will take for us to get there. So either way, either there's no point to the lockdowns at all or B, we need to end them to start building herd immunity right now. You may choose whichever option you think is most likely. All of the above. It's yes. both. It's both. 
I mean, you can, the theory is one thing, but the, the ultimate outcome is that we are, we are going to be behind the eight ball no matter what that's going to be have to be explained to people that as we've cloistered ourselves we have not done ourselves many favors in going doing things and getting the economy going again there's going to be uh blips the blips are going to look different in different places and that that the dealing with that psychologically and emotionally is is one of my biggest concerns moving forward because Mm -hmm. the reason we're here is because of how psychologically and emotionally fragile we were to begin with yeah what we essentially have done our policy as far as building herd immunity has gone we've taken out a high interest loan that we're going to be paying back in in the fall at this rate that's what's happened here and i want to i want to add one more thing to this if in less than two months right less than two months just from one event that carnival in this german town if that in less than two months got 15 percent 15 percent of this study to produce antibodies one event. How much more in California where they see 8,000 travelers from Wuhan, China, mm. or from China every single day, mm-hmm. and we still don't know for sure when the timeline began? How much more do you think this is impacted as far as the spread goes in California or on the West Coast? I think what you're going to find, and I'm not an epidemiologist here, I think we're probably going to find about the same number nationally in the United States, but substantially more in large cities. That's a good point. At the very least, it's a good question to find the answer to. It's a point whether to debate to con- worthy of consideration. That's that's a good observation, Aaron. We're going to come back and talk about it's no longer the creeping social or, or tyranny. It is now here. We'll discuss that next right here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. I've got a bone to pick, pun intended, with our friends over at Rough Greens, Vita Smart. We are now at the point I cannot get Cap to eat his food if we don't have the Rough Greens, Vita Smart mixed in. And I, I think you're only supposed to give it to him once a day, but you can't like we can't like over overdose on like vitamin C, right? I can't imagine dogs. Well, you're about up. to find out, aren't you? <laughs> uh, so I've kind of got to psych him out now. And, and get the bag and just like put, it's, it's, you know, put like a little sprinkle of it, you know, to make them think it's in there just to, you know, it's, it's right now it's the wars being waged in our homes because of this quarantine right now, this B Sean and I are having a contest of wills right now. All right. And, uh, and rough greens, Vita smart is, uh, is, is responsible for this because he absolutely loves it. And here's how it works. It's not uh, a dog food. It makes your dog's food better. It takes all those living organisms and those vitamins and nutrients that are stripped out of a lot of your dog's foods, just as it is for our, for ours as well, for mass consumption, long shelf life, right? Uh, all the stuff, the, a lot, or a lot of the stuff anyway, that your pet needs is not in his food. Rough Greens Vitasmart puts it right back in there. So it makes your dog's food even better and better for it as well. If you want to take the Rough Greens 14-day Jumpstart Challenge today, just uh, give it a shot for $14.95 and see if you don't see a difference in your dog in 14 days or less. If you want to see your dog thrive again, go to roughgreens.com. That's R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com slash blaze, roughgreens.com slash blaze. We were just sitting here talking during the break. 
you know it's bad, man, when NPR is dunking on Bloomberg, right? That's where I'm just kind of like, I just got up one morning in Old Testament Israel, and I was just lucky enough to see the Edomites and Philistines are just going to entertain me in this valley down here by killing each other, and I'm just going to sit up here with a tub of corn. I've got no vested interest in the outcome. I just, as long, I'm just rooting for a body count at this point, right? I'm just going to just, don't give up. Keep fighting to the last man, yeah, right? By all means, you guys want to end each other. Who am I to argue? I'll, I'll sit this one out. Uh, that's, that'll be a fight worthy of monitoring. Uh, something else that is worthy of monitoring. It is no longer the creeping tyranny. It has arrived, and it is only mounting. And John Daniel Davidson's been writing about this over at The Federalist. He joins us now here today on Blaze TV radio and podcast. John, I'm Steve Dace. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Uh, I could be a little better, but I could be a lot worse. John, are you Team NPR or Team Bloomberg or just Team Mutual Absurd Destruction? That, that's the team. That's the jersey I'm wearing. I, I lean NPR since they're the ones calling out Bloomberg on this communist uh, Chinese nonsense. So in this case, anyway, uh, I'm rooting for NPR. All right. I th- I'll let that one stand. Yeah, I, I, you can make the, you can make the case that if they're going to try actual journalism, maybe we should reward them for it. Right. Give them a chance. Give them a chance. So you have been chronicling around the country. The uh, we're calling it now creeping uh, tyranny, but it's. It's it's mounting now uh, all over the country. My old home state of Michigan uh, is kind of ground zero for this. Can you give our audience kind of a summation of what you are what you're discovering around the country right now? Yeah, there have been a flurry of news reports over the last couple of days, really uh, leading up to Easter, um, about mayors and governors, you know, really overstepping their authority in trying to create rules and restrictions on uh, various things in their efforts to fight the, the coronavirus pandemic. And the one that caught my attention was the mayor of Louisville, Kentucky, telling Christians uh, and pastors that they couldn't have drive-in Easter services on Sunday, uh, obviously unconstitutionally singling out Christians uh, when there was no general prohibitions on parking in parking lots. You could still go to Home Depot and park in the parking lot or go to a drive-in liquor store, but you couldn't, you couldn't drive to a church parking lot and park there, you know? Uh, so it, that was the big one because a federal judge stepped in at the last minute and said, this is obviously unconstitutional. You can't single out churches. If you're going to ban people parking in parking lots, it's got to be everybody. Um, And then, of course, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, as you mentioned, issuing an order, I think on Friday, restricting, you know, the sale of of all these different items, deeming them non-essential, but lottery tickets are still essential. Uh, A totally arbitrary rule that has now provoked a recall petition against her, which I think as of yesterday had about 160,000 signatures. So Mm. uh, yeah, this is happening everywhere. I think people, I wanted to stress this point to our audience yesterday, John, that if, if this can go down in Greenville, Mississippi, then it can go down absolutely anywhere. All right, if, if you can have, if you can have um, local magistrates without wearing masks, walking around and writing down uh, license plate numbers 
of vehicles trying to go to church in Greenville, Mississippi, then this idea that you live in some red state or some Bible Belt community and you're going to be um, absolved from uh, commie California craziness or Gretchen Whitmer's ham-fisted attempt to angle for the a future Democrat uh, presidential nomination or running mate for Joe Biden this year, uh, you're nowhere to me. Uh, is immune if you're not immune in a place like Greenville, Mississippi. That's right. Yeah, you mentioned yeah Greenville, Mississippi. The pastor there encountered the same thing as as the churches in, in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, all these cops showed up and said, "If your parishioners show up here, we're going to give them five hundred dollar fines for parking in the parking lot." You know, the good news is though this stuff doesn't actually like withstand constitutional scrutiny. Uh, we've already seen a federal judge step in in the Louisville case. Uh, but beyond that, it certainly is not going to withstand electoral scrutiny. Uh, the, the good people of Greenville, Mississippi, I think, are going to have something to say uh, about uh, to their mayor the next time he's up for an election or to the governor the next time he's up for, for an election. Uh, you know, there there is a remedy here. And the other reason for optimism is that there's no way to enforce these these rules. You can't. There, there's simply not enough police in in the country to enforce rules on telling everyone they have to wear masks. Right here in Austin, Texas, our mayor extended our shelter-in-place order until early May and added that if you go out in public, you have to have a mask. Well, there's only so many cops. And there's only so many, you know, mm-hmm. tickets they can write. Uh, you know, the, 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 these orders that go beyond uh, local authorities' actual powers, a lot of them are not really enforceable. This brings us to the to the next phase of this conversation, John, which is what are what really is the proper role of courts? What it really is the definition of federalism? So. You know, I was part of a movement here in our home state of Iowa 10 years ago. We're still the only state in the history of this republic that did this. We mounted a popular vote referendum to fire three state Supreme Court justices, not because of moral turpitude or or judicial malfeasance, as much as we disagreed with their opinion. The idea that they thought they had the power, contrary to the Iowa Constitution, to rewrite and amend the Constitution on their own and rewrite the state's marriage law, which the Iowa Constitution said they did not have the power to do. All right. And and so I've done a lot of speaking around the country on this topic. I'm pretty, don't let the Michigan uh, jump man hoodie fool you. I've I've done a lot of studying on this particular topic. And one of the things that I have found on our own side is that there there seems to be this notion that these things run one-sided. Right. Like um, there's a lot of liberty principles I agree with. But the reason I never really became a full fledged libertarian was there was this notion that the that we that we had to treat um, foreign combatants as enemy combatants rather than as war criminals um, and give them habeas corpus rights. But at the same time. Um, you know, we, we, it was wrong to deport illegal aliens and it, it didn't make any sense. Like, are we the, are you, you don't want, you don't want preemptive war, but you want to give, you know, habeas corpus rights to, you know, illegals who come to the country and drop bombs. Is it the U S constitution or the planetary constitution? It, why, why does this only work one way? And I'm, I'm seeing in your debate with Jonah Goldberg, there seemingly is this notion that federalism also only works one way that for example, 
Anything that invokes the federal government, therefore, is bad. Uh, Mayors and governors can do to us whatever they want. And if we can't fight them in that arena, then, oh, aw shucks, I guess there's, we'll see you next election and see if we can stop it. Well, then why the hell do we even have a federal government then? And, and, and what's it, and, and was the judge in Louisville, the federal judge, was he an activist? I don't think he's an activist. He swore an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution. Yeah. That's what he upheld. You're the, the, the activism comes when you go against the Constitution, right? If, if your mayor in Austin says you can't buy a gun, it, should a federal judge say, well, I guess I can't obey, obey, uphold the Second Amendment because your mayor told me not to? It, seem, it seems like this stuff is having a, it only seems to have a one-sided conversation on our side. Yeah, this is a great moment to remember the virtues of federalism and also to remember what federalism is that, you know, it works vertically and horizontally. So the government is divided between the states and the federal government and and it's also divided horizontally between the, the executive and the and the judicial and the legislative. So it's perfectly appropriate for a federal judge to step in and say to a mayor or to a governor, you can't do this. It violates the Constitution, and these Americans have certain rights that are protected. Uh, you know, whether they live in in Greenville, Mississippi, or Louisville, Kentucky, or Michigan, or New York City, or wherever. Um, and and you know, the courts are there. A lot of times, as you say, conservatives complain about the court stepping in and uh, blocking uh, you know uh, the Trump administration's proposals. Uh, but but it does work the other way as well, and and we're seeing that now. Uh, and and this is also a very powerful reminder, I think, uh, especially today, people are so obsessed with who's in the White House and what's going on in Washington mm-hmm. and what's going on with 2020. But the, the level of government that most affects your life is at the local level. It's the county commissioner. It's the city council. It's the mayor. It, you know, if you want to really uh, make a difference in. in Do we lose his signal? A different, sorry about that. That's okay. We got him back. Studio. Go ahead. No, that's all right. Go ahead, John. Um, if you want to make a difference uh, and, and you want to have an impact on government, you need to look to the local level uh, because that's what's going to affect your life more than what's happening in Washington. And that's what we're seeing with these these uh, orders from from governors and from counties and from and from mayors. Uh, you know, and it's a, it's a good reminder. Don't be so obsessed with Washington. Pay attention to to your local politics. And this idea that. Um, if I don't like or don't trust whoever is in the White House, I I don't I, I I shouldn't ask or demand him to do and keep his oath of office. I think it's the exact opposite is true. I should ask and demand it all the more, and yeah. and that's why we have elections. If they if he or she doesn't uphold that, you then have a, the a platform by which you can encourage other people to put another person in that office, right? But this idea that I'm just going to let the governor of Michigan do whatever I want to me because orange man bad. I I, I just don't yeah. understand that stuff, man. I just yeah. don't. And you have the national media that vacillates between wanting Trump to sort of like take control of the entire national economy mm-hmm. and dictate, uh, you know, to governors when to open and reopen. And when he doesn't, they, you know, fret that he's not doing enough and he's not taking this seriously enough uh, on the one hand. And then on the other hand, uh, freaking out when when Trump suggests that governors aren't going to reopen unless he gives the go ahead. Uh, there seems to be no understanding in the national press about what federalism is and how it works. Um, and, and part of that, you know, 
admittedly, Trump makes it worse by kind of these bombastic things he says to the press. I think he mostly says it to to trigger them, uh, which is not helpful right now. But uh, but really, you know, there is a role for the federal government to play. But when it comes to police powers and the ability to affect your life or to arrest you in front of your family or pull you off of a bus, that's uh, your your local uh, p- public officials, your mm-hmm. mayor uh, and your police chief and, and people who are much easier to hold accountable than the president of the United States. John Daniel, da- John Daniel Davidson from The Federalist. John, thank you for joining us and the work you're doing following this topic. And we appreciate having you with us today here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You bet. Any thoughts, gentlemen, on that conversation we just had with John? Well, it's going on in real time, this this back and forth between uh, John and Jonah Goldberg and those picking sides on that. It's it's amazing the level of pettiness that is See, consuming I, I, so many. I followed Jonah's career, and I, I've liked a lot and not liked yeah. other things. If, if Mitt Romney or George W. Bush was in the White House right now and said, hey, I'm going to use the power of my office to have governors reopen, I, I don't think he'd have many of the same arguments that he's having no, right now. No, that's why your point about Orange Man Bad is, is, is so important and why the arguments then we need to get back to solid food. That's all John is talking about. What the is is that founded this country. It's no small thing. It's not a rhetorical flourish. It's the whole point. Yes. And the point about these things working only one way, there's, there's, um, I'm not sure what the pathology is other than just straight up partisan and or personal rancor. I'm not sure what the pathology is for why, why, uh, it only works one way. When you when you uh, you know when you want to uh, uphold the constant well we can't do that but drag queen story time hour is fine all the time no matter what right. you see the same arguments from these people mm-hmm. I don't know I, I don't know what the pathology is because this didn't I mean this it was less pronounced before uh, Donald Trump took the stage uh, but it was still there. So it's not just Donald Trump. It's just dialed things up to 11. And this entire last month and a half or so has been a great revealer. And we talked about that yesterday, just in the last few days, but a great revealer of who really, who really is bought into the idea, the idea of America, of Americanism, and who really is just uh, let's do the slow slouch towards Gomorrah, driving the speed limit as we uh, as we hit through the guardrails uh, towards uh, Gomorrah. Uh, that's really what we're witnessing here on a number of levels, and uh, it's the results. The results they are they are disturbing, to say the least. Yes, I mean the the good news is you're finding out who is really willing to uh, fight with you and for you. And the bad news is you're finding out yep. <laughs> who is really uh, ready and willing to fight for you. But I, you know, I, I come from a worldview where, you know, we had Gideon in the first 300. I, I, give me, give me an army of the most committed to a righteous cause. I'll take those numbers against the system, against the world every single time than a whole bunch of people that are just fly by night or may or may not be in and just are in for convenience or only when it's easy. Give me the true committed. 
Hour two is next. And we are back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. If you do listen to the podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review because the more of those we get, it helps to grow the show all the more. I don't know why that is, by the way. Well, I mean, I kind of do. I mean, I'm a podcast listener myself, so when I'm looking for something new, I, I tend to give something that looks like it's already built a credible audience a try first. So I get that part of it. I have no idea why the algorithms help us find more people when people are already liking us. Like, wouldn't it seem like you would need the help when you're first getting started, right? Sure. I mean, if you're building an audience on your own, I, 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 we got this, but that's the way it works, apparently. All right, that the more of you that like us, the more the algorithms will help us find more people that like us. So please keep those five-star reviews coming. Thank you to all of you that have left us one of those already. And, and if you haven't done so, I know you've got a ton of free time. You're running out of excuses. Please. Uh, we could use all the help we could get. Thank you very much. Our good friend, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. But Genesis 950 is here for you right now. Uh, if you are thinking about new carpets, but then you're not because you probably can't get somebody to come into your house and lay it for you because everything's shut down, allegedly, even though Lowe's and Home Depot is full every day. However, if you're thinking, I, I, even if I wanted to put down that serious jack for new carpeting, I can't get it done right now anyway. So what do I do with these pet stains and odors? Well, that's where, Gen that's where Genesis 950 comes in, and it's made in America with water. Genesis 950 breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so that they are gone for good, and its antibacterial component gets to where the real problem is. That padding underneath the carpet that soaks all of that odor up. And even when the carpet looks great, the odor's still there. It's because of the padding. And that's where Genesis 950 takes uh, takes the battle, right to where the source is at there, the padding. It's also safe for your children and your pets as well. So if you want to give Genesis 950 a shot, and you can use this to clean out your garage this time of year, anything at all. But where it really shines is with your carpets and you can put it in your carpet cleaner uh, machine as well. All right. Genesis 950.com is the website. Use the promo code blaze to get a discount right now at Genesis 950.com. Again, that's Genesis 950.com. Use the promo code blaze to get a discount at Genesis 950.com. So I don't think we've ever done what we're about to do. Have we ever combined pop culture Tuesday and fake news or not? I don't the think same so. Segment? Mm -mm. Don't think so. I don't think we have before. So, folks, yet again, you are a witness to history here on this show. The reason we did it is because there's a documentary out. In fact, I want to look right now. Look, just a few minutes ago, I think it was five million. All right, I was going to see how many views it had. Five million views, and this was released what on? Uh, I want to say the the eleventh, April eleventh. It was just a few days ago. Yeah, yeah, it was over the. I think it came out on Good Friday. So this is only a few days old, 5 million views. That's, those are the kinds of numbers like a, a major motion pictures trailer from like a Disney or an MCU uh, or a, a, you know, a, a, a DCU, a major franchise would pull those kinds of numbers in just a few days. This is an hour and a half long documentary. It has no recognizable names. 
no recognizable faces except for one individual that I've seen before on uh, on my cable news feeds, which I found fascinating to see that he was included in this. But but it's not like he's like a major contributor. It's just you, he may look or sound familiar to you. So without any major names, without any major celebrities. And as far as I know, this this doesn't have some kind of major platform, you know, like a, a major c- company within conservative media producing this and, and promoting it. Largely on its own word of mouth, this has nearly 5 million views since Good Friday. It is the kind of thing that I probably would have dismissed even a year or so ago. And just said, and there'll be some stuff in there that I probably agree with, but I, I, there'll be so much crazy that I just, I, I just can't. And so uh, my answer would be, I'm not even going to watch. Just to show you how radicalized I've become after all the times I've been lied to these last few years, I not only watched this, I watched it twice. And I did so because a large amount of you starting on Friday, we're texting this to me over the weekend, emailing it to me. So if you're texting it to me, I know you. I have people I know. People that are just listeners, viewers. Uh, I, there was a lot of requests asking me if I've heard about this, would I consider watching it? So I finally sat down to watch it. I watched it Sunday night after we had gone through everything with Easter and the family and the grandparents. And after watching it the first time, I went and got my wife and I said, hey, I want you to watch this with me. I'm going to watch it again. You guys have both watched it, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. Here's the trailer to the film. Guys, come ahead. Come Try on. Have a safe Go. I've probably had one of the coolest jobs in the world. U.S. intelligence was was using motion pictures uh, to alter the thinking of, of Americans in the United States. There's a very small group of people that influence all the companies that we watch. Just disconnect for five minutes. What if I've been lied to? What if? All right, so this documentary is called Out of Shadows. Approaching 5 million views came out, I believe, on Good Friday. That's an incredible amount of traffic to draw, especially because, you know, given this subject matter, the YouTube algorithms are not heavily favoring this kind of a show, right? Sure. They're not they're not openly out there helping you find new viewers for this kind of content. So this has violated all of the current social media norms. And right now YouTube has laid off a whole bunch of staff and they're even warning you up front, hey, we're we're just letting the algorithms just kind of go on autopilot right now. <laughs> Aren't they just saying that? Yeah. Just we're just not even we're not even taking we're not even high, having editors. The algorithms just are deleting things. We got an itchy trigger finger is what they're telling you given what's going on in the country. And still, despite all of that, without any major names, without any major platform promoting it, this thing is approaching 5 million views. 
Now, what this, I'm going to give you a mild spoiler. What this trailer doesn't tell you, in my view, is what the film is really about. It kind of hints at your run-of-the-mill conspiracy stuff, and some of it's true. I mean, we, we know from the, you know, coming out of the Watergate era and you have the church hearings and the committee, House Select Committee on Assassinations. These are these are all official government um, proceedings about MKUltra and where LSD came from. And even Timothy Leary acknowledged, you know, the, the high priest of, of the counterculture that used to thank the CIA for for invent, for basically bringing it into the gen pop so they could get stoned with it. All that stuff is all documented. None of it's that's not Alex Jonesy or anything anyway. That's and and they actually show you in this documentary the official stuff that was on television when you and I were little kids when this stuff was really little kids when this stuff was airing on American television because they were holding Senate and House hearings about this stuff, cleaning up the CIA post Kennedy, post Nixon getting uprooting you know rooting out all this corruption and you know wiping the slate clean etc that that's all documented okay to me where this documentary takes it to another level is at about the 30 minute mark and at about the 30 minute mark it gets into what i think the documentary is really about and i'm guessing they're not openly promoting that for two reasons number 1 People might say, spiritually, uh, it's too much for me. Or number two, we're already going to get screwed by the YouTube algorithms. If we lead with that in the promotional material, we might this thing might get outright banned. But as a guy who wrote a little book called A Nefarious Plot, you'll forgive me if that's the part of the story that is told in this film that got my attention. And where I think they take this to a whole new level is the dots they attempt to connect between occultic practice, pedophilia, and Hollywood. And they name names. They do it in the political arena as well. And the other reason I watched this a second time is because the last third of this documentary is about Pizzagate. Todd, what did you think and be brutally honest. What did you think this whole time Pizzagate was about? I did not think it was about any of the stuff we saw in this show. I knew it had to do with Podesta, and I I, I knew it had to do with uh, him um, running interference for something political. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, I honestly... It had been so memory hold in my own memory. I couldn't have told you when it came on because that that year during that election, we're getting Seth Rich, Mark or Mark is it Seth? Was it Seth Rich? Yeah, Seth, Seth Rich. Rich. Yeah. All right, WikiLeaks. We were retconning Julian Assange as a hero. You know, we you know um, we were making the frogs gay. Ted Cruz was not a natural born right. We had so many, and Ted Cruz was sleeping with uh, Katrina Pearson, Trump's campaign spokesperson, who his own um, uh, uh, ta- pro tabloid. The Enquirer was outing her as an adulteress. Right. We we had so many of these things coming at us the whole time. Right. That right. we I, at some point we just decided as a show we we just are we just can't. The stuff's nuts, and we just can't entertain it. When you heard, what did you think Pizzagate was about before you watched this documentary, Aaron? The fever dream of a 4chan user with a frog yeah. as the avatar. Yes, that's what I thought it was too. Yeah, 
I had no, I, I'd never heard of the pizza chain owner. Now, a lot of you in this audience are giving me as many platitudes and as, as many compliments as I have ever received in my career for the amount of information we dig up, the amount of research we do. Is that, and we have, a, we have the largest audience for this show we've ever had. Is that new? No. That's not, a, that's not a new component, is it? That's one of the things I think that makes our show is every, every one of these shows has its own distinctiveness based on the host and their background. I mean, when you look at what a Mark Levin brings to the table, for example, from a legal standpoint and his level of expertise. Um, I mean, the, the Convention of States project essentially came out of his own, his own mind. I mean, he essentially cast that vision, right? For me, um, I dabble in a lot of things, but my, but as, uh, as Ewan McGregor's Ben Kenobi once said, my speciality uh, is data analysis and research. All right, that's that's that is my wheelhouse, and then and and using that to figure out what is the strongest and weakest argument in the room, and that's where I get my strategic acumen from is my ability to do that. So the the kind of research and stuff that you're seeing us pour into coronavirus SARS two, this is not unique. Now, I think it's some of the best work we've ever done, but the volume of work or the type of work that we are doing is what we have always done on this show. It was before you guys came to work here, since it was just me and another, uh, you know, uh, fresh out of Drake University uh, producer in another room all by myself in Des Moines, Iowa. It's always been done. It, it's hopefully evolved and gotten better over the years, but it's always been done kind of like what you're seeing right now, because that's me. That's what I bring to the table, Right. And yet, I didn't know any of this information. Now, some of that is my own fault. I just dismissed it because I'd, I'd been, I'd been, I, I working on the Cruz campaign. We had, to, we had, we the Trump people threw so many of these kinds of uh, petty conspiracies at us all the time that after a while, you're just like, I, you know, you're like a child whose diaper doesn't get changed. You just get, you get tired of whining and fighting it, and you just give yourself over to it. You just accept that, hey, I'm going to have a poopy diaper and just figure out how, you're, how to make your way in the world, you know, with, with a full diaper now, since it's not getting changed. We had so many of these things flung at us all of the time that we just, I, 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 by the time we got to this thing called Pizzagate and these other things, I just decided, you know what, man, I'm, I've, I've maxed out. And so I, I turned the spigot off. The young woman who used to work in the Bush administration and used to work for several uh, major media outlets who is responsible for the story, and I cannot remember her name now. Uh, I'd never heard her name in my I, life. I, nor had I. Never, never saw her before, ever. And that blew me away. Because here's the thing. A story of that magnitude, an allegation of that magnitude, false or otherwise. Like, look, look at hydroxychloroquine. Why is yesterday, South Dakota, largely because of an outbreak at one meatpacking plant that is owned by the Chinese, actually, Smithfield Processing is owned by the Shycoms. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. All right. So, because the largest, one of the largest meatpacking plants in the country that's owned by the Shycoms had a massive outbreak, the state of South Dakota is now dealing with its first coronavirus outbreak. And yesterday, it's Governor Christy Noem announced they're going to do the state as a result, the state, the first statewide clinical trial of hydroxychloroquine. Is this the first is this the first state to have an outbreak of, of SARS-2 coronavirus? 
No. No. Is this the first time you've ever heard the name hydroxychloroquine? No. No. Is this a relatively new debate over whether this drug is effective no. or not? No. Then can you explain, give me a reason other than orange man bad, why April 13th, all right, is the first time a state decided they wanted to do a clinical trial to see if the drug works or not. Can you give me a reason other than orange man bad, we would not have done that three, four weeks ago? Oh, I can give you reasons and they're all bad. They're all bad. Like say. Yeah, they're all bad. But, I mean, if you want to discredit Trump, why not do the clinical trial, right? It's, what would be more discrediting than if we, can you imagine this absolutely smoke show conservative governor from South Dakota, all right, goes out there, she's a new celebrity, and she goes out there and does a clinical trial in her own state and then comes back and, and hydroxychloroquine sucks. Do you know how bad that would make Trump look? If it happens, how bad it's going to make him look, right? Sure. Wouldn't you think then all these Democratic governors would just be in a hurry to do a clinical trial to make to show just how stupid Trump is again, right? Sure. Right. Similar with a story like this. See, some of this is my own fault. I should not have been afforded the luxury of being uninformed on a story of this magnitude. An allegation of this magnitude, you have to either definitively prove it or not. Meaning that the people who made an allegation of this magnitude, essentially saying that the, that the Clinton political operation has been infiltrated by satanic occultic pedophiles. And John Podesta is the point man for, for, uh, for this vile ring of fiends. And that they, they were caught speaking in code in these leaked emails. Codes that are often used, allegedly, by pedophiles. And you haven't even mentioned his name, and this includes uh, Mr. Epstein. Yes, links to back to Jeffrey Epstein. Links back to another woman who is who is renowned in 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 elite circles. In fact, Microsoft just had to distance themselves from her yesterday because people found out that that they were promoting her as well. And she's one of these performance artists and uh, spiritual cooking and all these occultic practices. And um, and there's all kinds of file footage of major stars hanging out with her and things of that nature, including Lady Gaga sings her praises, okay? And yesterday, Microsoft essentially had to distance themselves from this woman because of the heat associated with, with films like this. If you wanted to blow up Trump's base... If you wanted to show that this entire candidacy was a con and, and that these people are just nitwits and morons, why wouldn't you further investigate this story? Instead, they showed a clip of uh, the, the owner of this uh, pizza house. And the reason it's called Pizzagate is because this, this guy's pizza, it's like a pizza palace. And it supposedly is the place where they come and procure these children. It's like one of their hubs. And they claim that within its own logo is a well-known symbol, a triangle with a triangle that's a well-known symbol for pedophilia networks around the world. And they show a clip of this pizza shop owner on with Megyn Kelly on Fox News. And they show the interview and she never actually asks him about any of the allegations. I mean, wouldn't you want, like, that's just how, you know, we got this thing over my shoulder here. It says, truth be told. We, on this show, we think the truth is its own reward, even if it doesn't back up with what we hope the truth would be. But we're better off knowing what the truth is and then adjusting to it than just practicing the, the, the demonic art of self-deception. Wouldn't this seem like the kind of story, like you could, 
This is such an incredulous allegation that instead of instantly burying it, why not bury Trump with it? If you're the Clinton campaign, why not just simply just, if, it, if none of this is true, I'll tell you what my advice would be, because I've worked on some campaigns. If, if heaven forbid I worked on this one, you know what my advice would be? We are, we are going to promote the hell out of this. And we're going to make Trump defend this. We're going to make Trump the Pizzagate candidate. This is so nuts. We're to once and for all show the American people this guy can't be let anywhere near the White House. His followers cannot be let anywhere near the West Wing. He cannot be trusted with power. He's attracted the worst, nuttiest element in our society. We cannot blow up our country. We cannot risk somebody this reckless being in the White House. And we're going to make him defend this stupid conspiracy they're currently peddling. That'd be the recommendation I'd strategically give. I'd want, I'd want to make you defend something like that. I'd try, to make the, I'd try to make this Trump's gang of eight where every time the topic comes up, we win. Even if he, no matter what, because he's, it so discredits him the way the gang of eight discredited Rubio that I'd want to just, I'd want to make the whole campaign a referendum on this is, this is peak Trump. The guy's, in, he's an insane narcissist, can't be anywhere near the White House and make him defend this. If I were, if I were doing strategy, that, that would be my play. Particularly because I, I'm, my last name's Clinton. I've already been associated with every form of perversion and everything already anyway. You know what I'm saying? Hey guys, Bill Clinton may have cheated on his wife. Well guys, it's Tuesday. I mean, does that... This isn't 1992. Is anybody else shocked by this news that the Clintonistas may be involved in some form of sexual perversion? Would that would that be would that be knock well, me over with a feather news to you? Well, you're making the point, the broader point of what this entire production mm-hmm. is trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in the preview, the CIA spook. I think he was in there in one clip explaining mm-hmm. things, and he. At and the, he's the guy that's actually been on cable news channels I yeah. was referencing earlier. Right? And at the at the end, he pretty much says what this is all about. P, and he uses it. He says, people, and, and, and it's been built up in Hollywood, the drip, 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 drip of the things you see, the things you hear, it creates an, a, a version of reality for you. That is your primary version of reality. Mm-hmm. And then everything else that comes into it bounces off that. And he says, and that's what, and ultimately this show ultimately decided you know what we're going to use that tool for good instead of for evil because that's an hour and a half where you're watching and they're throwing stuff at you over and over and over again some of which like we've heard for a while now some is new stuff and it has the effect at the end of like even if you can't connect all of the dots it it breaks down that wall of reality that that guy talks about it it creates the ability for you to take in new information through a different kind of filter a different kind of prism and we have created one as you said where we we just pizzagate i we couldn't even process it at one time and neither can most people because we're talking about cultic sacrifice right now we get a lot of crazy stuff in movies steve on Mm -hmm. a regular basis our kid this has a lot to do with the video game conversations we've had on this show before and things like that we just ingest so much and this show ultimately is about beyond the specifics of pizzagate it's about genuinely shattering the overton window and creating a new the the actual clear window that is genuine reality Aaron what did you think 
Well, I will say in general, and in general, I mean like 80, 85% of the time, I, I don't need conspiracy theories to explain what progressivism has already has already shown. It, it would not shock me. I mean, it, it doesn't shock me at all that people use people people use their power to do to enrich themselves to do to get on, get their jollies off however they would like to. Two words for you: reality winner. You remember her? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just one example of that recently. And and I. I appreciate, I guess, this documentary's attempt to shatter the Overton window with a, as a blunt force instrument. But guys, just, uh, just as susceptible as we are to, uh, I should say, our, our media is, I mean, it was just CNN this morning, it was just outright regurgitating uh, Chinese pro- communist propaganda this morning. Uh, I I think I think we can be very very prone. There are st- way too many way too many details that either cannot or um, are impossible or are fishy to be corroborated on 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 this, especially the PizzaGate thing. I I'm not I'm not opposed to the idea that there could be people using uh, in positions of power using that power in order to blackmail in order to get their jollies off the way they want to i mean jeffrey epstein killed himself or did he you know that type i i don't i don't think that it's it's out of the realm of possibility that these types of things could happen but in general i don't again i don't need conspiracy theories to show me to, 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 to explain to me what, what progressivism has already shown. I mean, p- p- here's a point blank, just to follow up what you just said. If there is a Satan, how could he possibly resist trying to infiltrate and manipulate a platform that has the amount of influence pop culture currently wields? He'd be derelict in his duty, wouldn't he? Right. And, that's- and, that's, and so I, I agree with Aaron, but I don't think you have to accept a massive amount of Illuminati level of conspiracy. Well, they even said most people yeah. in Hollywood are just yep. normal to some extent. They're not... I could easily explain everything that they have in yep. that documentary if you take it as true, okay? And it should all be vetted before mm-hmm. you do that. But even if, if you take it, I could explain it in, in, in what I just said. If there is an actual devil, if there is an ultimate, if there is an ultimate icon of evil, an ultimate deceiver... How could he possibly, yeah. he, he would, he would suck at his job. Not, he would not be worthy of your level of lament or fear or, 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 or ominous ponderings. If a platform as influential as pop culture existed with the ability to get onto everybody's living room and on everybody's iPhone and everybody's device. And he wasn't, he wasn't trying to infiltrate it or manipulate it. He'd, he'd be the worst, worst adversary ever, worst deceiver ever. If he wasn't trying, it's perfect. Lord nefarious. And that's this, the stuntman, uh, one of the friend of the guy you see on there was talking about how he, He's he just doesn't want to be a part of making certain movies anymore because it, it it the baseline it creates. So we see all this all this violence, all this sex, and we see it over and over and over again in conspiracies within movies. And then something 
really heinous in real life comes along and what's our reaction to it? He, well, that sounds like a plot of a movie. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how no, they, right. so they, you can't, it can't be possible in reality because this is the stuff that happens in fiction. And that's what this is really about. It's about that Overton window that is established intentionally or not at the very least admitting it's there mm-hmm. and you can't, but not filter everything that comes through it. If that's what you ingest on a daily basis. The other thing though, that stuck with me too was, hearing a full and it's just a reminder of the proverb one side story seems true until you hear the other side all right and again i don't know what to believe or what's accurate or how credible this woman is that that allegedly is connected these dots who's featured prominently at the end of the documentary but at the very least there's an entirely different perspective on pizzagate that me and i'm i'm probably in the upper point you know, nine, 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 nine percentile of informed Americans, given what I do and the way that I approach it. Okay. And I had never heard any of this, none of it ever until I saw this documentary. It was disturbing. And it was disturbing. It was self-indicting. I was convicted. I'll confess that. But it was disturbing on a broader scale beyond my own dereliction of duty at the exact same time. We'll come back. Our good friend Daniel Horowitz, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, will be joining us here next. It is shocking how easily your home can be stolen these days. Deborah found this out the hard way. When thieves found her the title to her home online, then they forged the document to appear that she had sold her home, but she had not. Then they borrowed thousands of dollars against her home's equity. She didn't even know she was a victim until the foreclosure notices arrived. She got an eviction notice as well. She then had to spend a fortune trying to get her home and all of that equity back. The crime here is called home title fraud, and the FBI says that it is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. So if you want to make sure that uh, this possible nightmare doesn't end up on your doorstep, check out our friends at Home Title Lock, because your homeowner's insurance, your mortgage lender, your bank, they can't protect you. But for pennies a day, Home Title Lock does. First things first, though, go to HomeTitleLock.com and find out if you're already a victim of home title fraud. Register your address there to find out. And then while you're there, Get a free month of protection at HomeTitleLock.com right now when you use the promo code Steve. A free month of protection of HomeTitleLock.com promo code Steve. It's the most valuable investment Americans, most Americans will ever have, especially right now when a lot of our worth right now is tied up in our homes. We're not as liquid. We're not working as much as we were, right? So protect that asset at HomeTitleLock.com for a free month. Use promo code Steve. And now let's get to our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation a day early. Our good friend, Daniel Horowitz. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing all right, Steve. And for my birthday present, I want a great second American revolution from your audience. Well, speaking of birthdays, uh, the Horowitz family just had one. Uh, you finally were, uh, were blessed and graced with a baby girl. So may you enjoy spoiling her the way that uh, that uh, Todd and I have been able to spoil our daughters over the years. Dude, there's nothing, there's nothing cooler than having a son, okay? But there's nothing better than having daughters and spoiling the heck out of them. So congratulations to the family. 
Thank you. There's so much more obedient too. <laughs> the general rule you're going to learn is that girls are great until about 13. And then that's when you realize, holy crap, these boys are thinking what we were thinking at that age. And you wish they were all boys at that point. That's the, is that kind of the general rule, Erzin? There is some of that going on. Yeah, there yeah. is. You're, you're, that's, you're in that sweet spot right now, aren't There's you? There's some of that going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. See, I, 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 I made one preemptive smart play. I made our kids feel like our house was the cool place where they could bring their friends and stuff. And so like the bad news is my daughter, my oldest daughter's boyfriend is at our house almost every single day. But the good news is my oldest daughter's boyfriend's at my house almost every single day. You know what I'm saying? Huh? I'm amazed. I'm amazed you're still sane, quite frankly. (laughs) Every breath you Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You keep your friends close. But your enemies, keep your enemies closer. That's right. All right, so Daniel, let's let's take a big picture view politically right now. Where are we at with coronavirus? The shutdowns, the quarantines, the pandemic, et cetera. What's your big picture view right now? Sure. We're, we're, we're basically at the spring summer of 1776 where Sam Adams addressed the Pennsylvania uh, legislature and said this will be a contest of whether there will be a refuge for freedom and liberty um, to mankind on this planet. And and that's really what this is. We have fascism, not just in America, but globally. If we don't lead on freedom, no other country will. Will America become like China? And not like China in terms of being tough on crime and putting your country's interests first, but like China in terms of subjugating your citizens. Where we are, um, Steve, what I would say is, And I'm going to reverse engineer this in terms of what needs to be done from end long term until short term. The last thing is geopolitical foreign policy, creating a new NATO style alliance to isolate and declare asymmetrical warfare in China. Okay, massive deregulatory tax cut regime to restart work in America Put a moratorium on immigration and visas so we have American sovereignty, American workers creating things on American soil without foreign influence. Now I'm going to bring that in a step closer, ending the shutdown. But let me bring it in to the most immediate thing. And it has to be done in a reverse order. Liberty. Steve, I look, everything's a right. There is a right to 10 weeks of early voting. There is a right to all sorts of uh, baby killing procedures and types of clinics. There's a right to a horse and a donkey marrying. And by the way, states are worthless. I mean, that's what we're told. States can't do anything. A federal judge could mandate anything, anything under the sun. But now we are told that those various states that were worthless could now interstate, uh, regulate interstate commerce, could place you under house arrest indefinitely, violate the Fifth Amendment and due process indefinitely, violate every clause of the First Amendment indefinitely, doesn't have to show its work, um, even as the, the severity of the virus and the evidence buttressing the lockdown is waning every single day, there is no end in sight for most governors. That's all a long way of saying, where, where do we stand now? It's Donald Trump's decision. We got the top dog. See, they have governors. They have uh, county garbage collectors are now kings. 
But you see, we were told we have a really powerful megaphone and a guy that agrees with us at the very top. Now is his time to shine. He has indicated he's had enough of this. Now is his time. And I will say, to me, we could talk about models. We could talk about a lot of observations you and I have passed back and forth Mm -hmm. about the virus. But I will tell you, the single most important leverage right now is for Trump to say, I will veto any legislation that gives another dime to state and local governments. That is his single biggest piece of leverage because that is enabling right now all these governors to virtue signal on the cheap because they know they won't have to clean up the mess they create. The minute Trump tells them, you break it, you own it, Mm -hmm. it's a different ballgame. I think that's the part, first of all, if by now you haven't learned not to react to what Trump says, like almost ever, whether you like it or hate it, almost never react and just wait to see what he does. Okay. If, if you haven't learned that lesson in the last few years, then either you just don't want to learn it or, or you, and you're, you're a masochist because you'll just drive yourself insane reacting to everything he says all of the time. Okay. You have to look at what he actually does. Okay. And especially when you understand a guy whose worldview is the art of the deal is his worldview. Everything's a negotiation. And so everything's posturing and then nothing is at the same time, which is why you cannot overreact to what he says. This is all about trying to get himself the best deal he can get in every single situation, which is why Anthony Fauci can be hashtag fire Fauci in the morning. But then by the time we get to five o'clock in the afternoon and Fauci's willing to do his bidding at the press conference, I love Anthony. I love me some Anthony Fauci, right? I I think people, if you can't, you got to learn that lesson. And so when you hear Trump say, hey, I'm the ultimate authority here, I think people need to understand what's gone on here between Trump and these governors has been a has been a mutual CYA society that Trump has been afforded having to avoid. Can I declare a martial law? Do I even have the power to declare a national lockdown? What it looks like politically deploying all these National Guards people and the huge backlash, particularly given who my base is against that kind of optic. I don't have to deal with any of that. The governors will do it all on a state basis. I I defer all of that blame to them. However, in return for them taking that, uh, that political liability upon themselves, All right. I hold these task force meetings every single day. I'm handling all the data. I'm the front person for it. And so the American people project upon me both their fears and frustrations every single day that they don't have to do to all 50 governors around the country. What he has signaled yesterday is not, he didn't grab Castle, the the sword by Castle Grayskull. I have the power. What he was signaling to them yesterday is if you will not work with me to reopen the country, then I am no longer going to run that interference for you. My bully pulpit, starting with the way that he preemptively launched on the media's credibility yesterday, the way you saw Anthony Fauci understand that the price of truly defying Donald Trump is probably a level of shameless trolling he doesn't want to have to deal with at this stage of his life. So he made his peace with Donald Trump as president and I am not. This was him getting his ducks in a row yesterday, I believe. And no, exactly. And, and I yep. think he's, he's sending a signal. All right. This isn't for the, the conservative, you know, blogosphere eggheads you know, to, to give me the ninth level federalism take. <laughs> this is straight up just pugilism. And I think he was telling the governors yesterday, the time for me taking your heat for you is at an end. Okay. Or will soon be at an end. We are reopening this country.
You will then be on your own as your people see other states go back to school and go back to work and go back to their lives. You will be on your own explaining to your people why they have to remain in California and Michigan in a police state, but Wisconsin and, 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 and Nevada or Wisconsin and Arizona, neighboring states, do not. You will do that on your own. I am no longer running this cover for you. I think this was the two-minute warning. That's what I thought yesterday was. Or you could say, you know, two weeks ago, the Surgeon General gave a bizarre analogy to this is our upcoming Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. Well, whatever that means. But then this upcoming week should be Trump's midway. That is his battle of midway Mm -hmm. to turn this around on them. And I think you're exactly right. And it's not just the political emotional heat, but also they're using the federal printing presses as their private ATM. And, and, and that's the thing, like, shut up, this is a state, we can do whatever the heck we want. Oh, hey, uh, you know, we need some legislation right now. And, and that's where it needs to stop, and that's where the president needs to discover, yeah, we all know he's not a king, but he does have a veto pen. And that needs to be made apparent up front uh, when Cuomo and, and Larry Hogan, my governor from Maryland, are asking for $500 billion. No, 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 you don't get a penny. You pay for it on your own. You, you raise taxes in order to get that, and then you deal with your people. That's what needs to happen. And I, I just do want to dispel one thing that I, I just can't stand this. Right now, so everyone's like, shut up. This is a national emergency. A gov- president's not king. Oh, but a governor is a king. Mm-hmm. A governor and a county garbage collector could, could, could uh, you know, suspend the Fifth Amendment. Let me tell the you sheriff something. in Greenville, Mississippi can go on camera and say, your rights are yeah. suspended. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the, the president's not king. The, all these libertarians. Oh, my gosh. Like a state. They told us a state can't define marriage as anything other than a donkey and a horse. And you, know, you can't have 10 more than uh, you have to have 10 days of early voting or 10 weeks of early voting. You have to have ballot harvesting when the Constitution says states control elections. No, no, no. I mean. Courts are are saying, hey, you could do whatever you want. Oh, but you can't shut down abortion. So I don't hear anyone clamoring about what happened to the um, 10th Amendment when it comes to the unelected weakest branch of the federal government saying that you have to have abortion clinics open. But somehow when you have the elected branch of government saying, hey, we're going to, you know, this has got to end. Shut up. Get off your lawn. This is not true. Um, Madison exp- explained the Commerce Clause as follows to, in a letter to Joseph C. Cabell. In 1829, the power to regulate commerce among the several states was intended as a negative and preventative provision against injustice among the states themselves, rather than as a power to be used for the positive purposes of the general government. So it wasn't meant for the government to regulate healthcare and agriculture and education, get involved in that. It was meant to prevent state tyranny. And the one time we should be using it, mm-hmm. that's the only time we somehow get religious mm-hmm. with all straight powers and this and that. Um, Eisenhower sent in the 101st Airborne Division when you had police, state police, and even the National Guard uh, blocking the way of African-Americans trying to enter and Denying the 14th Amendment yeah. of the Constitution. So what was Eisenhower's yeah. job? To just decide that, that the 14th Amendment doesn't exist or was he supposed that, that to enforce it? And the real 14th Amendment, everyone agrees what the 14th Amendment, if you hold it wasn't that way before, it incorporated the First and Fifth Amendments on the states. So takings clause, due process, um, life, liberty, property, I mean, all of that. Um, and, and, and again, obviously, it was abhorrent what the southern states were doing at the time. It was immoral. It was invidious. It was insidious. But there was not quite as much of an inalienable right 
to go to a mixed race racial school as abhorrent as what they were doing was as there is to go to your friend or your mother or your father's home in Michigan or to open up any business under any condition, your livelihood. I mean, that is as foundational. Or to tend to your own property. As foundational as it gets. And a state has no right to do that. Um, a state absolutely has no right to do that. In the same way, we believe it is incumbent upon states to push back against the feds when they overstep the Constitution. The, the door swings both ways. Amen. It's the same thing with all three branches. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, you could go to the courts if you feel there's an issue, but if the courts are screwing up, the other branches have have an obligation to step in. We all, all three branches, the federal government, all the states, the body politic, the people as a whole, the media, we all have to call a foul on that. And it is just shocking to me how people get religious on states' rights when they don't have rights. We have individual rights at all the wrong times. Very well said, brother. Good to see you. Good to have you back. Congratulations again. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. God bless. Same to you. Hey, Riduzone is the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster while burning stored fat and reducing your calorie intake. And why does that matter to you? Well, because of what we were just talking about. We're sitting around more than ever before. We're more uh, docile than ever before, more sedentary than ever before. Yeah, the gyms are all closed, right? So get those portion sizes and cravings under control, but do it the natural way. And that's where Riduzone comes in to help you out. And right now, uh, if you're concerned about all that grazing you're doing, you can get Riduzone for up to 65% off right now. If you use my name, Steve, as the promo code the at the only place where you can get Riduzone, that's on the website at riduzone.com r-i-d-u-z-o-n-e r-i-d-u-z-o-n-e is how you spell riduzone use the promo code steve to get up to 65 percent off they'll throw in free shipping as well free shipping too plus up to 65 percent off right now with the promo code steve at riduzone.com gentlemen any thoughts on the conversation we just had with daniel horowitz well, he's he, he's right about the power of the purse as it applies to the president, which is, I think, when Daniel was on several weeks ago on our, our Friday uh, roundtable, and this was before we were shutting down, it was still the same answer then about keeping states from panicking. Other than the rhetorical flourishes uh, that uh, Trump can use, the power of the purse is his biggest weapon in returning things to normalcy. Yep, and very, very quickly, uh, uh, Deregulation, um, basically holding China to account in a, in, a, in a real way that hurts them. Those should be our reactions because those are the right reactions. So you can look at it two ways. The way we're trending, every single reaction has been wrong. So this one, next one, uh, we don't have any reason to think that it's going to be right. But we could be uh, progressing to the mean. So maybe, maybe from here on in, we're actually going to ha start having some right decisions being made. We'll come and uh, do some overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.